Everybody's ready? I'm ready. Ready. Ready to start the show? Mic check. Yeah. Mic check. Loud and clear. Microphone check. All right. Let's do it. I think that's all we're legally allowed to play. Probably. <laughs> Welcome to Lasso Cast. Is that how I usually do it? No. Hi there. Welcome to Lasso Cast. <laughs> My name is John, and I I uh, I always knew that Rick Astley was white, and I am joined by Saida Rhodes, and I've never seen Rick Astley, so yeah, I guess he is white and very young. Did that surprise you? Yeah. The bit. young or the white? Both. I'm going to say both on that. I assumed okay. I had like a. MC Hammer, Stevie Wonder, age and race situation in my brain. Hmm. Well, they're different ages. I mean, like today's MC Hammer <laughs> and Stevie an Wonder. An older man. Yeah, I had an older uh, black man in, gotcha. in my mind. Yes. And also joining us. Kenny Madison. And because I'm such an ally, I don't even see race. Sure. So just want you all to know. <laughs> anyway, it's just the three of us this week. It feels good though. We're gonna get goofy. It's just the fam. I like it. It's just yeah. the fam. Fam jam? Is that what we should call these? Oh, I do love yes. the fam jam. Mm-hmm. Absolutely we it's should. A, it's a fam jam. I'm not even gonna talk about this episode. Yeah. It's nothing it, to talk about. If you're listening to this episode, tweet hashtag fam jam. Woo! I love that. <laughs> Yeah, regardless of how you feel about it, just tweet that. Yeah. Kenny, this uh, past weekend, we're recording this on Monday night. This past weekend was your birthday. Yes, it was. And thank you for the birthday wishes. Kenny, what did you do? Uh, First off, our esteemed co-host, John Rhodes, celebrated my birthday in style by driving me to go see the American debut of last night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright movie. But mm-hmm. I didn't know because it was a Fantastic Fest secret screening. And yeah. Johnny, you're a sweetheart because you just dropped me off and then went to your screening at a completely different theater in yep. a completely different part of town. Yeah. He's a sweet boy. And and then much, the much like a father to his young, young son. <laughs> <laughs> He came to pick me up and ask me if I had a good day at the theater, to which I responded, yes, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And I saw Edgar Wright in person. Hey. That was, what a birthday treat. That, that was a great birthday treat. What did he look like? Have you seen him before? Was he tall? Was he shorter? He's a shorty. Okay. Yeah. Like most did, people in film. Sure. Yeah. Did not, was not expecting that. He's a real shorty. Mm. Uh, Older, younger than expected? Looks about right. <laughs> We've definitely about, seen him before. Yeah. Us, us nerds. Okay. Yeah. Let me Google uh, this man. Edgar. Us dorkos. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Did he have long hair during he, this occasion? He did have long hair during this occasion. Okay. Yeah. He's had long hair for a long time. Yeah. Kenny, could you recommend it to our listeners last night in Soho? I like it, but uh, I, I think there are some things that could be genuinely upsetting to folks mm-hmm. in it, not yeah. just from a horror perspective, but just from a political perspective, probably. There's some very interesting uh, racial and gender dynamics that I, I, I 
would like to unpack, but I don't think that I am the person to unpack those mm-hmm. things. Or if I am, then I'm just being a coward and not unpacking them. Um, yeah. I feel like I know Robert Daniels mentioned how he felt about it. And I don't know if he wrote an article yet, but let me check. Cause then we can shout that out and link it. Cause that's, that's who I go to for those, those, uh, perspectives on movies yes uh then i uh started off my birthday in style by having a pint of ice cream at one in the morning because mm, i i put my weight watchers on pause for the weekend and oh, i yeah. just chowed down uh heidi took me to a japanese breakfast restaurant where i had chicken and waffles and sushi nice hell yeah wait kenny yes sir I need you to list everything that you ate this weekend over this music. Ready? Go. Chicken and waffles and some sushi. I had some dumplings too and dumplings. Chinese food. It was orange chicken. And Mm. I also had some egg rolls. Nice. Then I ate some buffalo wild wings. Some (laughs) Frenchy fries. And also some nachos. Wow. Uh, Also, I also had some ice cream cheesecake. It was birthday cake flavored for my mouth. (laughs) Then I also had some other food. I finished off a box of cookies. It was my birthday song. This is my birthday song. Play for anyone (laughs) that's listening. Turn it up real loud. Roll those windows down. I want you to play this birthday song. Oh, man. It's a birthday song. It's for people that have birthdays. This is the birthday song for you. It's the birthday song. It's just for you. Beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Did you ever answer what kind of uh, ice cream you're eating? Uh, It was cookies and cream from H-E-B. I also had a milkshake from Shake Shack. I forgot that. Wow. Birthday cake milkshake from Shake Shack. And I also had my combination birthday cake. How's your tummy? Oh, boy. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of dairy. A lot of dairy. But I also, back in my heavier days, I ate way more food than all of the stuff that I've listed over the weekend. On a regular basis? On a regular basis, for sure. I still ate less Mm -hmm. than probably at my peak. Yeah. Yeah. Did you you successfully stop eating all that stuff today? I have. Nice. Very nice. Uh, What have I had today? I had, I did have uh, three taquitos from 7-Eleven, but that's not rare. That's uh, probably 18 (laughs) points. Okay. Uh, and then I had some cheesy fajitas, which is nine points. And then I had two chicken fingers. Mm. So I'm I'm good. I'm back on the nice. wagon. Did you get any gifts for your birthday? Uh, I did. Um, uh, do you want to sing me, them over this song? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm good. I think the, just the once is good. Okay, here we go. Just kidding. <laughs> I got Transformers the last night. It's on DVD. Just a DVD copy. Uh, yeah, I got the two-pack of the Lego movie and Lego movie 2, uh, Ferris mm. Bueller's Day Off. Oh, uh, nice. Transformers the last night, an awful movie that my uh, awful friend Tyler Bryce got me. Tyler. Uh, I got some birthday cards, and I think 
the best present, of course, is a coupon for a pedicure with my great friends, Cy and Johnny. Mm-hmm. I, I, for one, cannot wait to cash in that pedicure. Yeah, that's going to be my fun. Yes. So thank you so much for all the birthday well wishes. Uh, it's It really means something whenever a complete stranger comes into my Twitter feed and goes, love your laugh. It's one thing to hear that from your friends. It's another thing to hear from a complete stranger, which, uh, as many performers will know, that's all I'm chasing, the approval of complete strangers. So thank you so much. That's very sweet. Yes. Who was it? Shout them out. Um, I don't know. Some loser. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Also, the person that said my laugh is amazing, mate, is Amity Boat Tours at Gordon Anamity 3. (laughs) Excellent Twitter handle. Yeah, that's fun. Yes. So had a fabulous birthday. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Glad to hear it. Listener email. All right. Well, yeah, I owe some people some shout outs because I've gotten some, you know, some interesting insights over the last couple of weeks. Um, So this first one goes out to Katie A. Katie A um, commented on episode nine where beard comes back from his, you know, trippy night. Um, and he passes out the lattes and her call out is that the peppermint latte belongs to Ted. Here's why in the pilot episode, he tells Rebecca, he wanted a mochaccino frappuccino, any coffee thing, as long as I can't taste coffee. Mm. Um, yeah. So she infers mm. that a peppermint latte would belong to a man who doesn't actually like coffee. And that checks out for me. Yeah. And Thank who you, was KDA. that? KDA. KDA. And I feel like we had a couple of people tweet a similar sentiment to us. So thank you. Yeah. Thank y'all for reaching out. That makes a lot of sense. Does make a lot of sense. Do y'all do peppermint lattes? No. I I don't drink coffee. Uh, what? I don't drink coffee. Is, is Lasso Cows just evolving into <laughs> where I say... I don't have this very popular treat. Is that an evolution? I, honestly, that might become the spinoff podcast. Is Let's sure. just discuss the things that we are and are not I consuming. thought that I was not a picky mm-hmm. eater. And it turns out I'm an outrageously picky eater. I think eater, you're a apparently. picky drinker because it's I think soup, you're a picky tea, drinker. Coffee. Yeah. Well, I enjoy yeah. tea very much. Oh, just soup and Teased. coffee then. Yeah. And like, no I feel alcohol. like you would like a peppermint latte. No, it tastes like coffee. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It really. does. Yeah, it does. Did you try? <laughs> Did you try lattes? Did you try it? Uh, no lattes. Uh, okay. I, I have had drinks prepared to me, prepared to me, where people have <laughs> bombarded it with all of these other flavors, and I still cannot taste. I still cannot tolerate it because it just the taste of coffee is so overwhelming on my Interesting. tongue. Interesting. I love coffee. I always have. And it's not even like a caffeine judgment. It's not like, I can't believe you can't get through a day without coffee. It's more like, even as a child, I remember like smelling coffee in my home and being like, I need to have some. I know I'm nine years old, but give me a cup. Also, we should, (laughs) we should start a podcast called caffeine judgment. And we just drink coffees and every episode Kenny's like, I don't like it. Hmm. I don't know if that has legs. (laughs) Coming to our Patreon. We're going to experiment with all this stuff. Sure. Coffee is magic. It is. Even though it's bad for blood pressure mm-hmm. and teeth. And anxiety. Yeah. And anxiety. But boy, is it 
just wonderful. It's tasty. Um, All right. So the next shout out I have is this is kind of a callback and also a call forward, if you will. So Rachel F., she was making some notes on uh, Nate's behavior toward Will, which I thought was sort of interesting. Obviously, Nate is, you know, struggling with his new leadership role and the fact that he's the wonder kid and also like, I'm a boss now, you know, whatever. Um, but her call out is that Nate is seeing that Will is accepted and included as a valued member of the team um, in a way that Nate never was. So even though that's probably part of the lasso effect, her thoughts are that Nate just genuinely resents um, Will for being like a part of the group. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. It's like that mentality of, I think it's everywhere, but I see it a lot or hear about it a lot in like the comedy world or entertainment where it's like, you have to pay your dues because I paid my dues, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is the dumbest idea that I've heard. But that's a good point. I think she's onto something there. I think so too. Cause at first I honestly just chalked it up to Nate being like, you know, kind of just on a power trip, but now I totally get that. He's probably like, no, I had to like suffer through this. Like you have to too. Like what the heck? Yeah. The team likes Will. They gave him money for Christmas and mm-hmm. all that. Nate probably didn't get nothing. I think the team also came around to liking Nate. Came around to. Came it. around, but we have no idea how long Nate was doing his role before Ted got there. That could have been That's years. That's true. Isaac and Colin and Jamie were so mean to him. Throwing yeah. dirty towels in his face, like yeah, putting gum in his donation box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Great Thank call you, Rachel. Out. And then Johnny, I think you needed to address the nation on your flippant use of hooligans. Oh yeah, I gotta find that email. Hold on, Andrew McEwen, all the way from Scotland, sent this uh, email. He said, "Hello, troops. Very big Scotland, fan of- the country. Yeah, the 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 mm. the county, <laughs> Scotland County, Nebraska. <laughs> Very big fan of the podcast. I've noticed that Baz, Paul, and Jeremy have been collectively called the hooligans on the podcast on more than one occasion, and that's not a word that you can just that can just be substituted for a football fan. You could maybe call them casuals, though. There's no evidence for even that. I appreciate this." This may seem overly sensitive, but for three men coded as working class in a very affluent area, no, they are huge fans who are never able to actually afford games, but automatically describing them as violent seems harsh. A minor gripe, but it hits my ear wrong each time it's been used. Uh, great show, otherwise. Um, and I wrote back Andrew saying thank you for that. I didn't know that hooligan meant violent. Yeah, yep, yep. I did, thought did so. Did any of you guys know that? No. Yeah, I didn't think violent per se, but to me, hooligan, when described in my household, and granted my parents are from the UK, but, you know, it was more like, like you know, low-life thug, like not not like class clown. Like hooligan was had a lower connotation than uh, class okay. clown. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I always thought it was just like, like you say, class clown, like goofballs. But now I know. Now you know. And we won't call them hooligans anymore. Andrew. What, what show we call them? I think we were calling them barflies for a time. Yeah, I don't remember when we called them hooligans. Um, uh, I would nominate Little Cuties. Okay. Little 
cuties. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sai, tell me you don't look at them and go, there are some little cuties. I, I, you know, I do I wanna, every time. I want to give them a little smooch on the head, give them a pat and say, hey, just, give me a little cutie. Just go down the line. Yeah. You're a little cutie. Mm-hmm. You're a little cutie. Mm-hmm. You're a little cutie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Sure. Little cuties it is. From henceforth, <laughs> we shall use hooligans no more. a boy. Yeah, we also got a great long email from Rob Swan about the uh, the uh, Beard After Hours episode. We appreciate you writing in, Rob. Some good points in there. Allegorical commentary on the theme of assimilation and the fickle nature of being in love with quote-unquote football. We have some smart listeners, I'm realizing. We have doctors and stuff reaching out to us. Yes. It's pretty cool. Um, is there any fight night updates this week? Oh, are you in ref- referencing our segment football fight night? Each week we go out to our reporter on the field, James fight or who you can follow at T E H fat ghost on Twitter. Uh, he was a, an actual football coach for many, many years and always gives us his insights as to when football is being played on Ted Lasso and the accuracy of the football that is being played. So no update this week. Let me finish. (laughs) This week I got James on the horn and tried to get him to give us some of his hot scalding takes for what kind of football action is going on in this week's episode. And James, he replied with some interesting theories, which is, uh, and I quote, <clears throat> there is no football in this episode. Thank you so much, James. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. That's been Football Fight Night. Let's get into the episode, yeah? Johnny, if I could stop you right there. This is one of our patented birthday shout outs. Johnny, roll that stinger. <laughs> And I'm trusting that you just put something very elaborate right there. This is a birthday shout out from Twitter user Kate7911, uh, also known as Caitlin Clements, to her brother Bryant. Bryant, happy 30th birthday. Uh, this is wild, but this is part of uh, what looks like to be a 30 for 30 birthday birthday theme where she has this is wild 30 birthday presents for each year that bryant has been alive on this planet alive and kicking and each one of them is ted lasso related and it is absolutely ludicrous and i'm assuming that this is at least number 17 on the list of 30 items for bryant's 30th birthday bryant happy birthday from all of us here at lasso cast to you i'll give you 30 kisses on each cheek here we go i'm just gonna believe that that's the 30 and pretend that both of those go on each cheek bryant happy birthday episode 10 of season two no weddings and a funeral i believe is what it's called it is indeed written by jane becker Directed by MJ Delaney, who who directed a few episodes in season one. I think this is his first or her first. I don't know. MJ is a first or, or they directed uh, any other. There you go. 
yes, this is MJ Delaney's first episode of this season. Uh, previous directing jobs include All Apologies and The Hope That Kills You. Great. Along ups. with some episodes of Frank of Ireland and the feature film Powder Room, which, according to my research, is not available to rent on any services. Mm, cool. And then also Jane Becker, writer of the fabulous episode Trent Crim the Independent, as well yes. as writer on Harley Quinn, yes. Future Man, Rick and Morty, and most importantly, a credited guest on the Doughboys double episode about buttermilk biscuits. Ooh, oh, wow. Nice. I'm going to so, have to find that. Love that podcast. Uh, we are, they are seriously attracting some A-list talent if they're able to get some folks from the Doughboys double. I mean, that's, yeah. that's Patreon content, right, Johnny? Yeah. And if you're... Uh not listening to the Doughboys, you should you should get on that. It's fun. One of my faves. Johnny, tell them what it's about. Well, it's these two guys. Uh, one's a comedian slash actor. One's a comedy writer. And they review chain restaurants in a non-ironic way, in an unpretentious way. They just eat at a chain restaurant and they talk about it. It's a fun podcast. Yeah. That was the shocking thing about listening to Doughboys, which is that how seriously they take it. Yeah. 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 It was real. Yep. I was shocked. <laughs> Seems like a very unhealthy podcast. I wish them the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no weddings and a funeral. How are we feeling going into this episode this week, folks, after last week's Beard After Hours? I was ready to rumble. Yeah. Ready to get this story moving. Yeah. Let's get back on track. Let's see the faces I want to see. And Johnny called, like, I don't know if we did it on the air or just in general chatter, but that uh, we might have a a death from Rebecca's dad. I don't, mm-hmm. It was probably in context of seeing a funeral. But yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, I think it was via out. text. I don't know if that was on the episode. So listeners will just have to believe that it happened. Believe. Believe and believe. Yeah, so that was exciting. Well, yes. oof, that's not exciting, but it was interesting to see you were spot on. Uh, from, yeah, from what I understand, Sai, you were jumping up and down whenever you found out that it was Rebecca's dad that died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. much mm-hmm. in, in the same way that you were jumping up and down whenever you found out that Sam and Rebecca were getting together, mm-hmm. so too were same you jumping level. up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exact same level. We should note that Sai does jumping jacks during Ted Lasso usually. So she's usually jumping up and down. I mean, it's important to get your aerobics in. You got to get your steps in. Got to get it when you can. You got to. Rebecca's father died. Uh, She finds out. (laughs) She finds out while in the kitchen with a half naked Sam. uh, That shot of like Sam behind her in the kitchen and her with wet hair. Like some like Sharon Stone 80s, like uh, erotic thriller movie stuff. I loved it. Love that shot. It's like. On another level, first of all. She is, whew, she's fit. She's very fit. Like for the episode to start with them being so like intimate and comfortable in bed together to then take it downstairs to have a woman with wet hair just mm-hmm. in her kitchen, just like they kind obviously of obviously showered pants. together, yes, you know, exactly. Just they like showered just together? making breakfast. Absolutely they did. Oh my gosh. On another level. I can't. Sam, while they're in bed together, Sam is, um, he wants to kind of tell people what's going on between them because it's stressful for him to keep all this uh, secret, but Rebecca does not want to do that. No, and I don't blame her. Yeah, I don't blame her either. Especially because like, I wasn't sure how much time had, had passed until later when it was like, 
oh, they've been doing this for two weeks. I'm like, yeah, let's bump the brakes a little. There's no need to shout it from the rooftops yet. He's a 21 year old boy, you know? Uh huh. Uh huh. That's what they're just, they're, they're, they're antsy. They want to, you know, he's probably like already planning the rest of his life with her. Totally. And I don't blame him, but. Right. Soon. Yeah. I guess we can go through Rebecca's storyline in the funeral first. Let's do it. Oh, uh, we get Rick rolled a few times. <laughs> a few. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rebecca's mom listens to never going to give you up in the mornings to get her ready, cheer up, pump her up and all that. Uh, Rebecca's like, yeah, we've all moved on from that song. And we have. And kind of upset that this episode put it right back into my brain. Mm-hmm. And me and Cy, we've been singing it mm-hmm. all weekend long. After like working so hard to get it out of my mind. Um. So, yeah. Thanks for that. I got to say, I really like Rebecca's mom's vibes. Like yeah. one, she is like... I don't know how to describe it. And I had a hard time verbalizing this while we were watching it today. Like I can't tell if British actors and actresses are just, it's not that they're better, but they have so much like life and depth to their characters. Like just like the little things that they say, the way, I don't know. It's like so, it's 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 a weird thing to try and describe, but like I feel like I know her mom very, very well without really knowing this woman. Like we've only seen her in two episodes, but mm-hmm. she has a very like distinct personality. And I love that when Rebecca's telling her like, you know, you shouldn't be happy today. Her mom's like, well, you should be happy every day. Do you want to talk about that? Like, yeah. and it just like rolls off the tongue. I, don't, I, I imagine it's in the script, but like it just feels very natural to her personality. I just really yeah. like her. Perfectly cast. Yeah, perfectly cast. Yes, Harriet Walter showing up to play. You might have seen her in such films as uh, Bab- Babel. Yeah. I'm sure. Mm. I, I have the Inuritu film? Yes, the Inuritu film. Yeah, not an easy watch. Uh, if you want a party movie, why not go Babel? Uh, <laughs> Atonement. Mm. Uh, you oh, yeah. Rocket Man. She's great in atonement. Yes. And uh, most importantly, and probably quite mem- memorably, Star Wars The Force Awakens as Colonia. Hmm. Uh, who's that? Colonia. But who is that in, in the movie? I wonder if that's the, not the... I, I believe that's the woman that is bandishing up Chewbacca's arm. <laughs> that goes, you're so brave. Oh, wow. I don't remember and that movie. Also, I guess if you want to bring it up, the 1995 Sense and Sensibility, if you want to. Yeah, I did want to bring that up. Well, okay. I guess you're the only one, probably. Never seen it. Uh, we should watch it. Okay. I like, uh, uh, she says, uh, I'm talking about Rick, Rick Roll and Rick Asley. Uh, once I love something, I love it forever. Yeah. Let's be clear. Rick Rolling never mentioned in the episode. No. Which is, that's the way that I want it. Don't right. don't reference it. Don't do it. They don't have to, you know, it's because they understand that everybody's going to be like, oh, yep, I know what this is. Yep, yep. I know what you're doing. And then Sassy climbs into the room like an old fairy tale. <laughs> uh, crashing the party. Everybody's kind of cheery for, a, you know, dead, recently dead father mm-hmm. situation. I guess that's ideal, though. Yeah. Yeah, I De- Deborah. 
is putting off so much toxic positivity. It's infuriating to me. Uh, having to had to do some work on reorienting myself from a toxic positivity standpoint and still trying to make myself doing that still every day. But the, the, the idioms of you should feel happy every day. And once I love something, I love it forever. Mm. Boy, in a certain context, that's so much guilt. That's just so much guilt right there. I know. I wanted to ask about this when we got to it later, but we can just talk about it now. Her, her attitude about knowing that her husband was cheating on her. And I think she says like, he wasn't perfect. I didn't need him to be. He always came back. Mm-hmm. That just seems so unhealthy. I think that's unhealthy, but I think that's really um, true. I think that a lot of people can probably identify with that. And I. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't even know that that's, I guess it could be under the umbrella of toxic um, positivity, but I, and I think we talked about it last time. Like, I totally understand why a woman or a person who's in love with someone would rather have this manageable pain that they can understand. Like, you're going to do this thing that hurts me, but it's not like it physically hurts me. Like, it's a little heartbreaking, but I'm not going to stop loving you anyways so yeah i'm gonna make this choice you know what i mean like it's not good but i I get it yeah it just seems like a like a a lack of self-worth or self-value sure very much so and uh deborah is very cognizant of that and that saying of once i love something i love it forever she says it again Mm -hmm. in the confrontation with rebecca takes on such a it it takes on so much more of a tragic uh bitter sentiment behind it and then also the complicated thing of going uh i didn't need him to be perfect i he always came back it is the complicated thing of having to confront your past and confronting the person that your parent is because it's so easy to just kind of otherize that person right Mm -hmm. and instead the sentiment of going i have to meet this person the way that they are as a person and giving them agency they're not stupid they knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. and you do not have to like that decision maybe they don't like that decision because deborah isn't necessarily proud but she knows herself well enough and she knows her weaknesses to go this is why i did that i'm kind of satisfied with that those actions that i took in the end i'm not entirely proud of them but at the end i I think I did the right thing. Yeah. It's really complicated choice. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if I'm Rebecca in that situation, I think I'm leaving that, that confrontation feeling a little more sad for my mother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I would just couldn't help but think about just the potential she could have like so many things she could have done if she put herself first. Mm -hmm. And I always just feel bad when people like miss out on, the opportunity to live for themselves. You know what I mean? And, and perhaps that's a generational gap. Yeah. Issue. Oh, I'm sure. Um, growing up, I mean, very much our generation is trying to figure out how to be the best versions of ourselves. And I think with past generations, there's a little bit more of a mentality of we have to serve our community mm-hmm. by any means necessary to put ourselves last. I don't know if that's been your experience, but I can and. I can only speak about 
my experience, but that has just been in, in looking backwards and seeing folks of an older persuasion trying their darndest and very often putting their own mental health way at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe not even understanding mental health back then. Oh, for sure. I agree. And I'm just going to, I'm going to say something controversial. You don't believe in therapy. Oh, we know I love me some therapy. Um, in <laughs> which case this ties directly to that. So I had listened to a podcast a few months ago. It's from Esther Perel, who's like, I mean, she's just like this wonderful woman who is in some capacity like a therapist and she mm. does like TED Talks and all of these things. And she's just like this wise, wise, wise woman. And um, shout out to Alejandra, our friend Alejandra, um, who turned me on to this podcast. Uh, she was doing this couples therapy and oh, so that's the whole thing. So she has a show where she's doing couples therapy. So we're just listening to people's sessions. It's so interesting. So there's no names in all of this. It's just, you're listening to these real stories. And so one of the stories was about this couple who, um, her partner is somewhat of like a nymphomaniac, I suppose. And so he had, you know, cheated on her multiple times and all of these things. And so interestingly, Esther Perel had asked this woman to kind of rationalize the reasons why she would or would not stay with this person. And so this lady was struggling with the fact that like, uh, you know, once someone cheats on you, it's done. Like I, it's over. Like I, I can't trust them and you know, all that kind of thing. And that's valid. But what Esther was saying was like, but does this person make you laugh? Does this person, um, you know, do you find them interesting? Are you able to dream with them? Are you able to do all of these other things, um, that are kind of important to you? And so the woman's like, yeah, she's like, so what if you, met someone who wasn't interesting and didn't make you laugh and you couldn't dream with them, but they were really faithful. Like, does that automatically make them a better partner for you? And I had never considered that in a million years, but it was such an interesting like twist to just be like, yeah. we've decided as a society that this is absolutely not acceptable. And it isn't, you know, to an extent, especially if you like emotionally, like you can't handle that, then like it's not acceptable. But if you're someone who's like, Actually, yeah. Like that's, is that really the worst thing a person could do if like they have all these other, you know, qualities that are a great match for you? I don't know. It's interesting. I'm not pro cheating, but I was thinking about that as her mom is saying like, he's wasn't perfect and I didn't need him to be. I'm just like, that's kind of a profound statement if you're a person uh-huh. who can handle this. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's uh, what, what a lovely sentiment to bring up side because it's relationships are complicated relationships are complicated true intimacy is so complicated i i know i know that i am in a good relationship with folks if i am comfortable to get angry around them Mm. which is it's so difficult but also it, it is such a difficult emotion for me to display but also if i'm getting angry around you that means that i am comfortable enough to show you my most unpleasant side and hopefully you can realize that (laughs) the the rawness of Mm. that uh 
it's complicated and I totally understand where Deborah is coming from. Yeah. And that doesn't not necessarily. And, and also you have to live your own choices and she lives her own choices. Yeah. She has agency. Mm-hmm. She has do agency. You, mm-hmm. Do you still love your mother after that? Yeah. I think you still love her. I think I would just be bummed even more bummed. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. And hopefully Deborah lives her best life now and it's not too late, you know, to, for her to find more joy. I think Deborah's a firecracker. And so if she went out on oh, the town, yeah. she would do just fine. Did she mention Esther Perel in that first episode she was in? <gasps> yes, she, she did. did. Okay, yeah. So that's that's funny that you bring She's that up. She's a subscriber. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, I think the real end point of this conversation is that Sai is pro-cheating <laughs> and <laughs> that she is just trying to suggest some things to John that she wants. Oh yeah. From the marriage. This is me subtly <laughs> saying, please <laughs> go we're, out. We're all in, in agreement. Like <laughs> cheating is something that we're all, you know, it kind of gets a bad rap for, for certain people. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, you ever watched animal kingdom? Oh boy. What a great sigh impression. <laughs> that wasn't sigh. <laughs> Yo, look at me. I'm shy. What's going on over here? Yeah, f- fish don't stay together. <laughs> Birds don't stay together. It's just us and penguins. Oh, beautiful sigh impression. Mm-hmm. What gives? What gives? <laughs> we got to change society. And this is our number one issue, I think, in the world, probably, is that we put too much value on faithfulness. I know. These are going to be my famous last words. It's going to be truly. (laughs) 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 I'm coming off as this very just like elevated human. (laughs) But like, you know, I don't want these things. I just find it all very interesting. If anybody is a anybody listening is interested in exploring (laughs) um, (laughs) troubled relationships and cheating and couples therapy and arguments, between couples, you should check out Scenes from a Marriage, either the Ingmar Bergman original or the new one on HBO. It's very interesting. Oh, I will tune in. It's dark. Nora fell on a scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, that shot was weird to me. They go, they look over the balcony and she's just laying on a pile of leaves. Yes. Later on at the funeral, Rupert and Bex come finally making an appearance this season. Woo, I got my Bex points. Which Cy got some points when she picked uh, Bex up after I dropped Bex. So mm-hmm. I'm very unhappy with what the What a decision. disastrous move on your part. I wanted you? her to do more. I got, I think, just speaking well, points. I needed her to like, you we know, have, have some hanky-panky or something. We should have added a, a category for breastfeeding. Yeah. Mm, true, true, next, true. Next season, I guess. Uh, yeah, we meet baby Diane for the first time. Yes. Cute little chubby baby. Uh, then the team shows up to the funeral, and that's nice. Wait a second. Wait a second. Rupert was not invited to this, to this funeral. Yeah. But he showed up anyways. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Is he really that much of a jerk? And the answer is, of course, yes. But Is he turning is... over a new leaf? Do we buy any of that? No, of course not. Why? Uh, I... I, I couldn't help but just think about going, having a baby has changed me. And that's such a, mm-hmm. you're, even if that is true, you're still placing too much responsibility on 
a literal baby and going, yeah. you are the reason for me changing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for fixing my life as opposed to doing the work yourself. It's if he has changed and I don't think that he has, it's a super unhealthy mindset to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler listeners, uh, having babies, building houses, stuff like that. Life events. They don't change. You. They don't change you. They yes. don't fix you. Do the work. Um, I guess we can just talk about Rupert and real quick. <laughs> what is this tough love? Like, what was that? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm talking to the listener a lot this episode. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt just because. No. I feel like this show is really challenging the viewers. No. To feel compassion for people who have, who are maybe not even good people. It's no. Doing that with Nate. Maybe doing that with Rupert. No. And I'm not saying Rupert's going to be a superhero. No. <laughs> but, okay, why do you think he gave his the shares? Why did he convince Bex to give her shares to Rebecca? Because he's a bad boy. But why? What's, what's the move there? Uh, clearly something's going on with Nate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he whispers in Nate's ear. Whispers in Nate's ear. Uh, something nefarious is going on. I, I don't want to necessarily pontificate about it too much but the 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 thing that that's what we do jumps to my mind is that he's probably gonna do something and purchase another football club and try and challenge richmond and beat richmond and i i don't know Hmm. and and steal nate and kind of sabotage the team i wonder if like what he whispered to nate was just unrelated to the the shares of richmond i wonder if he just told nate like you're you're the only coach that's worth a damn something to inflate his ego yeah, Even I mean, more. there is the very loaded glance that Rupert gives Ted whenever Ted walks in later. Yeah. And Rupert clearly has great disdain for Ted. Yeah. Kenny, I got to say your theories. I don't know if you've been pondering this for a while or if this is just like off the cuff. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll get another team and challenge Richmond. But I'm feeling it. I feel like that is a That'd viable a great season three. option. A hundred percent. I want R- or Rupert to change, but if he's not gonna, I mean, let's let's do it big. That sounds great. Yeah, I don't want him to change necessarily. I just want him to try. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. I think he. I think he kind of is trying. That's here's the thing. Curious to see. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, WNYC Radio. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I met Woody Allen. <laughs> Uh, this is my hot take. I think we have too many villains in pop culture where we understand their viewpoints Mm. because, uh, if anyone just pays attention to the news, you see people who are just nakedly grabbing for power because they want people to suffer and they enjoy the suffering. That's just what it is. They profit on the suffering. Yeah. It's I, and also I think. This is my hottest take of hot takes, but I think a little bit that with nice folks, their empathy gets weaponized by these villainous people who just want to win. Mm -hmm. And Rupert, Rupert is one of those people who goes, you're a good person. You play by the rules. Let me weaponize your empathy so that I can manipulate you in order to just benefit me. And so we need more villains that are just like, yeah, I like being a bad guy. Potentially, potentially. I wonder if he just knows that the 
the financial situation is going to go to shit and he just is bailing out. I wonder if this is a plot device to save them financially. If she can be like, oh, I have these new shares. I'll just sell these shares and that'll, that'll fix it. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. Um, yeah. Very curious. Yeah. And they wonder- they have laid in tiny breadcrumbs of financial stuff. Losing Dubai Air, while the right thing, is also just a catastrophic thing financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brief mention of financial troubles in the middle of the season. Yeah, I really hope there's follow through with that. Yeah. And to to completely jump ahead, I think one of our, you know, early predictions of Sam eventually leaving the team might come true next week. Mm-hmm. Or at least that process begins next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if you read the description of the next episode, Kenny. I don't read anything. The uh so Sam Richardson, our friend. John, I don't read anything. Our friend Sam Richardson is is guest starring in the next episode. John, I don't read anything. Um, and I think he's kind of courting Sam to come join a Nigerian club. Why not? I don't read anything. And John, that will be interesting. Johnny, I don't read anything. Cool. Thank you. That's all I wanted. I just needed an acknowledgement. <laughs> um, also, Sassy destroys Rupert. That was fun. Sassy's a badass. Uh, I want to see some Jamie and Danny fanfic. I think they have potential to be the strongest couple on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie and Danny Rojas? Yeah. Ship it. I love them together. I want to see more of that. I'm just glad we've seen so much of Danny. And like, he gets so much personality. Like he gets, Mm -hmm. wardrobe is on point. Also, Mo had like a fun, like not a life vest, but almost (laughs) like... Zorro. Zorro. Yeah. Yeah. Funny vest. Funny little vest. Like a crossing guard vest. Uh Uh-huh. And then Danny's been rocking these tunics. And then at the funeral, his suit was looking nice, first of all. It's unfortunate his, you know, shoes were so tight. Um, But even in his little, like, Rebecca slides, so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. (laughs) At the end of the episode when Danny's getting back on the bus... If you have the subtitles on, you'll you'll see that Danny tells Sam, they're great, bro, <laughs> as he gets on the bus. Um, Nate's hair is getting super, super gray. Love it. I love it's it. It's insane how gray it's getting. It's like a uh, big fan. Obama's first four years Oof. in one season. Or it's a reference to when Gary Mitchell in star trek the original series got psychic powers and his temples started graying the more evil he became oh oh wow hey maybe, maybe. i just put that together wow oh, i love star trek i love star trek so much um we have to talk about rebecca and sam's little you know yeah first that scene with um, all the ladies in the back of the church <gasps> being loud. Yes, 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 yes. And Keely, on one fact or whatever, guesses that I she's love that. Uh, with Sam. What is it? Is he tall? Mm-hmm. And she says yes. And, and then Keely's like, is it Sam? Yep. I thought no. that was perfect because a real friend who is also a co-worker 
who like watches every move you make would yeah. be able to guess it that quickly. It just clicked in. Yeah. It shouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh, I wonder if she just met someone random. Like, yep. yeah, I love that. Let's everyone shut up for a second because let's talk about <laughs> Deborah and Nora walking in because it's a, it's a marvelous sequence of people coming in one at a time yeah. and on behalf of the vicar going, uh, asking you to keep your voices down. Right. And Deborah and Nora walk in and then Deborah goes, I know who she's been shagging and it's good. Yeah. <laughs> And they immediately start squealing. And it's incredible. I give this show 10 out of 5 stars. Ted Lasso, good show. Nominated for Emmys. Let's promote it to the moon. Uh, winner of Emmys. Yeah, we should have given more Emmys. Seven Emmys. Yes. It's quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, they're being loud. I was telling Cy, if somebody came in at my dad's funeral and was like, can you guys oh, shut I up? Know. I'd say, can you turn around and sh- shove it up your own butthole? Whoa. Thank you very Woo. much. Johnny. What? Language. Mm, you're right. It's a G-rated podcast. That's not true. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Now everybody knows. Now all the ladies know. Nora says uh, boss ass bitch, which is good. I'm glad there's no you know weirdness there. Maybe there still will be. Who knows? She knows. She Nora knows. knows. Yeah. She knows what's up. She's like, if I were of age, I would try to. So good on you, Rebecca. Yes. I mean, she's only seven, what, five years away from that being a potential thing? That's yeah, because she's seven years old. Yeah. It's still a That's long what you're time. about to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Rebecca tells, later at, later at the wake, Rebecca is telling, I think, Sassy and Keely that she needs to break it off with, with Sam. Yeah. And Sassy's like, is it because his penis is too big for your tiny little vagina? Uh and then she looks at Ted and says, speaking of, so we just learned it's canon now. Ted is hung. So it seems. Rest. You love it. You love to hear it. And then later, Sam pulls Rebecca into a coat closet for this sweet moment where he's like, I've been waiting to do this all day. And he just hugs her. He hugs oh, her. Gosh. What a tender thing to do. And what a thing to do when you're like, I'm going to break up with this person. And then they do something so nice. Mm-hmm. But she breaks up. She breaks it off. She compliments him, but then there's a butt, and Sam says, I hate big butts, and I cannot lie. Good grief. Did anyone do what I did and just ran around their apartment complex, did like a couple laugh? Yep. Grew up in their apartment that? complex and ran around. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Great moment. What a line. What? What? Unbelievable. Go on, John. What a oh, line, gosh. and what a perfect character to, li- to deliver such mm-hmm. a line. It's such mm-hmm. a smart yeah. writer's room. My goodness. Tahir Jamal, good actor. Yeah. Cool guy. Rebecca's kind of just scared of being hurt and wants to explore why and explore herself, which is good. I'm glad she's going to just take some time to figure things out. Sam is not scared of being hurt. At least he says he's not. Do we think he's that's true or is it just he's young and, you know, carefree? I think it's true. I think it's yeah. true. Maybe it's just that think- he hasn't had his heart broken yet. So why would he be scared? Like, yeah. you know, it's worth it. Like, if he's like, uh, yeah, this could end terribly, but this could be really awesome. You know, yeah. worth like a try. A, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Sure. Into that movie. Spoilers. I like that it was like a tentative breakup, maybe, because she yeah, acknowledged like, that he's going to get hold. more wonderful. Exactly. So I she know. seemed like. That moment. <sighs> he's like, I have to warn you. 
I'm only going to get more wonderful. And that smile. She's such a great smile. Oh, boy. These two. They're taking a break. He's so confident. He could have been like, no. You know what I mean? But like he's so sensible and like knows like I'm going to give her space. And he's the best. He is sad when she leaves the closet. Um, back in the uh, the back of the church, whatever that's called, Rebecca and her mother are alone now. After the vicar gets everybody out of there, and they have their confrontation that we talked about. Rebecca has nothing nice to say about her father. Finally, uh, opens up about seeing her dad cheating on her mom, and Sassy was there too, and the dad never uh, addressed it with her, and she's angry. Uh, yeah, Rebecca hate. She's so sick of keeping secrets. Yeah, and then also reading yet again, film crit Hulk's wonderful uh, dissection of the episode and analysis, um, and juxtaposing that with Rebecca going, "I need to call it off with Sam." And now you have a little bit of context as to her relationships. In the past, what's uh, from film Crit Hulk, what's perhaps fascinating about this is how much the rest of the episode informs us as to why mm-hmm. uh, in reference to her relationships. The story of her father, the interactions with Rupert, the simple fact that she's never lived an open, vulnerable life before, at least not that we've seen. And she's got a good thing with Sam, even though there are lots of problematic things that are associated with it Mm. and the fact that she would rather keep that secret yeah as opposed to dealing with it in an honest and open manner it it speaks a lot and the fact that she was just running to she she was trying to justify why she should be with john wayne's knight trying to justify why she should be with uh the 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 hottie with the body (laughs) she met on tumescent luca Luca, yes. Luca. Trying to justify those those things mm. as opposed to <laughs> but but also it speaks to her kind of being in a different pay uh different headspace. Yeah. Uh, pun intended. Mm-hmm. In that she feels secure enough with Sam to go, I I need to be alone because this scares me. Yeah. Uh and I I that's well, breaking up with someone, especially someone that is as wonderful as Sam. Yeah, very hard, but also go. It's it's never a bad decision to just choose to be alone. Being alone. Exactly. Fine. I think that's her big moment of growth is like, you know, realizing I think some people are they feel the need to always be involved in a relationship because if they're alone, they're kind of just constantly confronted with their own issues that they'd rather just ignore and then invest all their emotion in another person. So I think maybe after that talk with her mom kind of realized that, you know, she needs to just take some time for herself and figure things out. Yeah. And I think that is an interesting juxtaposition considering that Keely is her best friend in the show. And Keely is someone that has been going from relationship to relationship, at least within the context of the show. Yeah. And is confronting who am I? Who am I just in general? That's yeah. been a question. Mm-hmm. Um, also, user at TM Bennett 9 on Twitter 
did a great suggestion and something that I did when researching my notes for the week, which is to compare reviews written by guys and reviews written by ladies. Mm. For TM Bennett 9, there is a stark difference on the take on Rebecca. BTW, I think the ladies, lady reviewers, are right. This season is about all the different kinds of love. Rebecca equals loving herself. I read a review that tied the whole different kinds of love, and it hit me too. Following Rebecca's love interests have gone from one night stand to F buddy to someone she knows and cares about friends with benefits, obviously disregarding the power dynamics that she has over Sam. And of course, I'm just talking about my own experiences in doing my own research. And if someone has some contrasting views, please tweet them at us. Uh, if you got some different articles, let us know. But I found in my in my reviews that I went through, uh, the men often latched on to, well, this is gross because Rebecca is uh, authority hmm. and it, it, it is disconcerting the power differential. And and again, this is just me. This is just my my looking at my views. So. Just keep keep that in mind because I'm sure that I could have found other views that contradicted this. Uh, but the reviews that I read from uh, fangirlish.com and Marvelous Geeks Media, which are also really great, uh, by Shelby Elpers and also Gisane Sophia. I hope I'm saying those names correctly. Uh, latched on to just exactly that of Rebecca is exploring different ways of love. And finally choosing to choose herself. Yeah. And I would also count myself as part of those male reviewers going, boy, they have really reduced Rebecca's role in this where she is constantly defined by a man. And I hadn't even considered the different viewpoints of, well, I, of, of Rebecca is trying to explore who she is within relationships. Yeah. Um, but like, Things on this show, you just kind of wait for it. And those choices will be contextualized at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you all think? Sai, Johnny? I mean, I've been loving the Rebecca storyline. Prove it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think this is Rebecca and like, a renaissance season. I'm loving seeing her personal life. We got like a glimpse of her personal life via Keely and Sassy last season, but now we've gotten to know where she comes from. We've gotten to know yeah. what kind of men interest uh, Rebecca. We've gotten to know a little bit about her own insecurities to an extent. Like I'm just really enjoying it. I have yeah, I'm just loving it. I agree. And I've seen other – I've seen critics feel the opposite way. I'm not going to name any because I don't want to feel like uh, I'm attacking them. But I've seen other critics point out the fact that we never see Rebecca working. Mm -mm -mm. Don't and get me started. Who cares about that? That's not interesting. It's not interesting. And mostly because, as Nora calls her, she is a boss-ass bitch like she's right. in charge we know she knows how to do her job so no i don't need to watch her take conference calls yeah i'm assuming she's doing that what we need to know is how is rebecca 
you know, getting over her divorce? How is she growing as a human being coming off of like a really rough season last season, I'll say. You know what I mean? Like, I want to check in on my girl. I don't need to know about these damn meetings yeah. and such. Don't care. It just, it just feels kind of like a subconscious sexism to be like, well, I need I need proof that she's a boss-ass bitch. No, I don't. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I mean, Personally, as a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, I'm a huge fan of main characters gathering around a table and talking about things. Mm. Uh, it is a genuine big, big fan thing i just love it whenever characters talk about things yeah uh end of statement i i wouldn't it's not unwelcome yeah uh, but also i don't necessarily need it and also uh i boy i i just i i want someone that's a little bit better equipped to (laughs) to properly decompress the complexities because it's, it's it's a burden of it's a burden of lack of representation because whenever you have a strong female character uh, and they go to pursue a heterosexual relationship. It, it is just kind of pictured as, I don't know, a possible diminishing of their power as opposed to just exploring different states of emotionality mm-hmm. with, within them. And perhaps both is true. And we should just, you know, have more shows that are, made by not white dudes uh-huh which is what ted lasso is as well yeah uh. diversify your writers rooms everybody i think there's that and i think i don't know i guess i guess everyone comes in with their own biases and their own thoughts but no if, no i'm perfect <laughs> if you want to spend your 30 to 45 minutes watching the show and reduce rebecca down to her love life that is on you i see her as a full person and for Ted, I also see him as a full person. And we do not spend time watching Ted reading about yeah. how to be a better soccer coach. He doesn't seem reports. to care. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. He shows up on the field, you know, blows a couple whistles, makes a couple jokes. And that's all he's got to do when he really doesn't know what he's doing. And it's okay. It seems okay for him to do that. So if we want to explore Ted in his personal life, sounds great. If we want to explore Rebecca in her personal life, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't necessarily say that those criticisms are invalid criticisms. It's just the complexities of art where those two thoughts can coexist. Where you it and also what criticism is also subjective. It comes from your own it comes 100%. from your own biases. Uh biases are not necessarily bad. You just need to acknowledge the fact that you have those biases. And so those two thoughts can coexist. I wish that this character had more of an internal life that we saw. And also it, it, that Rebecca is a more complex character. It's, it's complicated. Art is complicated. Mm-hmm. It is. And I apologize for getting heated, <laughs> but oh, that's where Cy. I stand. That's a little heated for me. Go off, Cy. I love to hear it. Um, let's finish up the Rebecca and funeral thing. We talked about, <laughs> we talked about the, uh, confrontation yeah. with the mother and all that. Some, someone died. Somebody dies. Fine. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. It's not an open casket to Jane's dismay. God almighty. Um, this is, yeah. I mean, another part that kind of broke my heart with uh, Rebecca and her mother was like Deborah saying that she, she'll, take her anger over 
indifference any day. Like she's just happy that Rebecca feels anything about her. I get it. I get it. The, the opposite of love is not (laughs) just the opposite of love is hate. Or no, no. The opposite of love is not hate. <laughs> You're gonna the get there. Of love, the opposite of love is apathy, right? Because you feel nothing. Thank you, Sai. I believe in you. Oh, oh, that's all. That's I why I have right love now. tattooed on one of my fists and apathy tattooed mm-hmm. on the other one. Mm-hmm. How many knuckles do you have on the other I was hand? It's gonna say seven. It's a lot of thingies. Yes, seven that. knuckles. I have seven knuckles. So one of them just has like a exclamation point. <laughs> Um, Rebecca and Deborah in bed. Yeah, looking at mm, photos, mm-hmm. home video. We get Rick rolled again. Here, here's the thing. <clears throat> uh, and our friend Jared will be pretty pleased with this one, Johnny. Okay. Rebecca in her room, in her perfectly preserved room, she's got a poster of a horse. <laughs> that means it's canon. Rebecca, she's a horse girl. Yep. I've been waiting for this to be answered for, you know, what, 20 episodes? Since the pilot, since yeah. our first episode, yeah. you can listen. The first the first utterances of Lasso Cast is Johnny screaming at the top of his lungs. Is she a horse is, girl? Is she a horse girl? Um, yeah, it just feels nice to have that resolved finally. She's a horse girl. She's a horse Sai, girl. Sai, how do you feel about horse girls? I'm unclear on what's happening. She's a horse girl. What does this mean? And is this She's Jared? A horse girl, Jared the Jared I know. Jared Standifer. He like horse. She like he horse. Like, sigh. He like horse. I'm. I don't know what's happening right now. Rebecca, horse girl. Oh God. Are you not a horse girl, sigh? I don't know. He what's like going horse. On. Rebecca like horse. Oh yeah, yeah. If you know about horse girl, someone just tell me. Someone Somebody tweet me. Somebody needs to listen to our first <laughs> podcast again. We talked horse about girl. horse girl. Yeah, it was a very first. I said, "Hi there, welcome to Lasso Cast." Is Rebecca a horse girl? <laughs> what does that mean, though? She horse girl. She horse girl. I don't understand. We must move on. I'm, I'm according to UrbanDictionary.com. Sorry, a girl who wears t-shirts with horses on them and tapered denim pants has really long hair in which they braid and fasten with a scrunchie in the back of their head. Will gallop on the track during gym classes. Only friends with other girls who like horses, and will look down on you because you are not a horse. Because you are not a horse, not because you're not a horse girl. Look down also, on you from her horse. Also, a crazy middle class white girl who's obsessed with horses. Sure, yeah. I mean, who doesn't know of some of those? Or upper class like Rebecca. Yes, Rebecca comes from old money. Yeah, yeah. she's got some horses. Um, oh, uh, yeah, um, Rebecca horse girl. Rebecca Horse Girl, Jared Horse Boy. Yes. Who's Jared? Um, our adopted child. How dare you? <laughs> oh, okay. Local Jared. Okay. <laughs> Local Jared. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. I got to um, hold on, Johnny. I'm going to go over to our group chat and change Jared's nickname to Local Jared. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I guess we, we forgot to mention that Rebecca sings uh, Never Going to Give You Up at the Funeral and Ted joins in to support her and then the whole crowd sings it's lovely yeah and then there's a nice organ version of the song that plays yep yeah and then they pop in a home video it's rebecca in a bowl really that's all you're gonna talk about with with rebecca's eulogy johnny yeah that's really all that happened yeah there's nothing else to unpack there 
I've got a whole tab of my notes just dedicated to the funeral. What's your notes? Rebecca and this scene should not work. It should not work. Right. No. Uh, and whenever I was reading the New York Times uh, recap by Christopher Orr, it really did not work for him. It is uh, it is such a fine line between this is far too cute and this rules. And <laughs> darn it, if it doesn't work so darn well. Yeah, loved it. Uh, because Rebecca doesn't want to give a eulogy, but because the expectations of funerals uh, and the weird rituals that go along with funerals. She feels obligated to go up there. And it is the subversion like film or maybe the switcheroo of priorities of what Rebecca is doing from instead of living a private life instead kind of does the most raw and honest thing that she could do, which is sing never going to give you up. Yeah. Because that's she's completely unprepared for a eulogy and that's that's her being the honest version of herself uncertain unprepared raw and that's the thing that comes out yeah and instead of trying to keep herself isolated and alone and protected instead ted lasso according to i did not pick up on this but sophia gassane from marvelous geeks media in that moment ted lasso carries the tune for Rebecca Welton as an emblematic representation of the fact that he's bearing her pain too. Mm. Because she was gaslit in the past from, because she saw her father having sex with another woman and no one talked about it. And so she learned to shut herself down and now she's being honest. And instead a room full of people go, we know you, we see you, we support you. They're literally echoing her feelings back to her and just going, we've, we've got you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and then this other beautiful chunk that I want to share, it brilliantly debunks the conception that strong women somehow can't fall. And instead it highlights the opposite as a compelling truth mm. through Rebecca Welton. We are able to understand that women are deeply complex and layered. She can embrace her sexuality one minute while she curls up in her childhood bedroom. The next she can command whatever room she walks into, but simultaneously she can stand at the end of an altar and try desperately not to break down. It's a reminder ultimately that crying isn't a weakness Falling is inevitable and life doesn't care how strong you are if it decides to strike. Hmm. Who, who's that from? Sophia Gassane from Marvelous Geeks Media. Her recap was incredible. All the snaps, all the flowers to her. That was beautiful. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's great. The lyrics to that song, was that not strange to y'all? Like that this is the theme of the episode? Like it sounds very... I'm not going to leave you. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that was like ironic that it's about death and such people leaving people cheating, people doing these things. Like to me, that was so interesting. Yeah. I think it's kind of what Kenny brought up about the more, I think it's more of the sentiment directed at Rebecca than her talking about her father. Sure. Everybody joining in. They're all, they're all there for her. And the way oh, that you see sure, Sam sure, sure. singing it to her. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, also Sophia says that just in reference to the song, the private, these are the private words to her father that maybe he'd hear, maybe he wouldn't, but it's a part of her closure that she needed to divulge in order to free herself from the potential guilt that could come to suffocate later. Mm -hmm. So she's just kind of expressing this because she wishes that this was true. Um, and that these are her feelings that she was never going to necessarily give up on her father. Also, it kind of feels like a challenge from the writers to themselves of going, how do we completely recontextualize the silliest song on the planet? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. Which I'm really excited to see what they do with the hamster dance in season three. Or the ba the babies. Oh, the yeah. Alan yeah, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, or I'm blue. Dabba dee, dabba die? Yeah. Dabba dee, dabba die. I'm blue. If I had green, I would die. Mm, sure. Ted and Sharon. Ted's dancing. He's getting dressed. And he has a panic attack. <laughs> Bummer. He uh, calls Sharon. Why isn't Sharon going to the funeral? That's what I want to know. Uh, she doesn't really know Rebecca. Yeah. I think it's okay. No. Yeah, I think it's okay. It's not. He's been really upset <laughs> about this. <laughs> <laughs> There's people there that Rebecca doesn't even know. Like who? The first couple that we meet. They're That's like, only one couple. Like, who is that? Even Deborah's like, I have no idea who that is. Sure. The rest of the team is there. Come on, Sharon. Um, but Ted calls Sharon. Uh, she tells him to do the breathing exercises. Four, seven, eight. Ooh, four, seven, eight. Great breathing. I Love agree. It. Five out of five. <laughs> Should we all do four, seven, eight right now? And even the listeners. Yeah, there's oh, no better way great. to spend an audio medium than just by breathing. Yeah, it's great. Here we go. Here we go. Breathe in. And hold it. And exhale. <laughs> <laughs> I know I started breathing directly into the mic and realized that's no good. Um, uh, you don't have to worry about it. You're not editing it. Sign. <laughs> you make whatever noises you want, girl. That's true. That's for yeah, Johnny make a to weird, figure out. Make a weird noise right now. Oh, mm. wow. That's not mm. me. <laughs> that's Kenny licking Cheeto fingers Nobody will or something. Ever know. <laughs> that's Leo mm. at the water bowl. <laughs> Sharon also hates tea. Yeah, and I think that's her her unlocking, you know, Ted's soul. He's like, "What? A tea that's hater? The, I'm ready to go." Final, yeah, the final push on the door. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter user Kate seventy nine eleven says, Good "Kate." Uh, the wonderful Kate thinks that that is Dr. Sharon lying so she can break down Ted's walls. Yeah. I wonder, I was wondering that. Oh, interesting. She, hmm, I think she's a straight shooter. I could see her not liking tea. She was drinking orange juice when, when he called her instead of tea with like every British person has tea in the morning. So yeah, maybe maybe she's telling the truth. Maybe she she knew she was just one connection away from from really getting to him. Um, yeah. So Ted finally kind of opens up about how he feels about his father. Uh, think he he feels like his dad quit and he hated him for that. It's it's a shocking revelation. Boy, yeah. I don't I I don't want to overuse the word shocking because this is not TMZ. Uh. He didn't go to his dad's funeral. That's right. mm. that's devastating. I get that. And then 
Sophia Gassane, again, from Marvelous Geeks Media. It was that much more intriguing to get inside his headspace and see just how much he's fueled by rage. Mm -hmm. And all of his kindness is just because of this anger. Yeah. Maybe not all of the kindness, but so much of the kindness. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad that like the reason that he's so uh, ready and willing to help people is like he sees his dad or an opportunity to save his dad and like every wounded bird that he comes mm-hmm. across. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like just chasing the dragon. Like that's, that's a bummer. Chasing the dragon, which is also the name of size techno album. Yeah. That's it. Oh, it's beautiful. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's also devastating that he, he's the one who found his father dead. Oh my gosh. That's, that's really tough. Really, really tough. Yeah. That'll, that'll mess you up. He found his father and then also was the one to call his, his mom. God. Yeah. And even in the moment where he needed parents, he's being caretaker. Yep. Yep. I have to take, I, I have to tell my mom and it's not even dad kill himself. It's you need to come home. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really terrible, like you don't want to, you know, hear that your parent has passed away, but to like walk into that, like that's, yeah, that's tough. As a teenager. As a teen. And he, he mentions again, Sharon, I don't remember her exact line, but something how like he, he took something away from you and Ted was like quick, quick to, to add his mom, like, and my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he's always just more concerned about, or at least equally concerned about other people than himself. Oh, yeah. Um, Sophia, yet again, uh, talking about Ted's mom and asking the questions regarding uh, regarding his mom. Where is she? How is she? What does she do? I'd love to know more about her. Yeah. Who, who is Ted's mom? Is she still around? Yeah. Yeah. I assume she is. Yeah, maybe we'll meet her. Yeah. Next season or something. Yeah. And it's played by Kathy Sudeikis. Oh, that'd be fun. Hmm. Who is a who is your dream cast for Ted's mom? Hmm. I'll take Sally Field. Ooh. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I'm gonna say Celia Weston. I'm gonna have to Google her. Hold on. You've you met her in person. Okay. <gasps> I did meet her. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sally Field would be amazing. Kenny, who's your dream cast? I'm going Sally Field. That's nice. that's perfect casting. Sally Field wins. Yep. Uh, Shelby Alpers from fangirlish.com says, it's more telling of what Ted did with the event, how he transformed something so tragic into something that nourishes other people. Ted mm. tells Sharon, and I knew right then and there that I was never going to let anyone get by me without understanding they might be hurting inside. Mm. Yep. Uh, it might be the right time to talk about how both Ted and Rebecca's catharsis happens, which is by intercutting yeah uh those two things together yeah which is so good really you didn't like it 
I'm not sure I do. I, but also I can't think of any other alternatives necessarily. Um, it, 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 it drew attention to the editing to me and that kind of put me out of the scene, but also I don't know how else to portray this without diminishing the effect of them both achieving a catharsis. Because if it, if it just kind of played out scene by scene, it might've had, it, it might've gotten a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might've made w- one catharsis more important than the other. And with this technique, it kind of puts them both on equal footing. Both of them are having a very important moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really liked the emotional momentum it created. It just felt like, like being in an accelerating car. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was very satisfying to me to be played out like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Sigh. Yeah or nay? <laughs> um, I'm a may. Just a, Ooh. wait, is that, is that an option? A yeah. may? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I'm all about nuance, baby. Yeah, I'm between yay and nay. I don't know what letters to work with there, but I'm between yay and nay. I liked what you're saying about like keeping it equal because I do think it would have felt like, are we one-upping the stories if we have to do them separately? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that that was a, a smart device there. But for me, it was also a little, I don't know. Just like it all happened on the exact same day in 1991 or whenever it was. So that was a little like, eh. Did it though? Maybe not. Because we only heard him me, say one. Yeah, for, for me, it just kind of struck me as one of those, because this just happens to us in life where there's these certain moments that just have these odd pieces of synchronicity. Mm. And you're just looking at things and going, hmm, that's odd doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it just is. Yeah. Uh, also, while we're kind of in the same area, Rebecca's mom going, what's more important, being loving or mm-hmm. being right? Mm. And I'm going being right. I struggle with that sometimes. <laughs> it's easier for me to be loving, but I'd rather be right because that's honest. And it's important for me to be honest in my life. But maybe some other people are different. That's an interesting thing to say. It's easy for you to be honest, but it's important for you to be right. Easy to be loving. I mean, loving. (laughs) Hmm. For for folks that might just live within a culture of kindness and possibly uh, toxic kindness and toxic positivity, it might be very easy for you to love. And that's not necessarily getting you to a place where you can move forward with your life because you have the obligation of being loving. And so being right is more important. But perhaps you live in a culture where you're just surrounded by people that are just more. It's more important to just assert that you are correct. And dominance is it's just kind of a substitute for dominance. Mm. So maybe being loving is more important for me. It's being right. I don't like either of them. I don't like you, John. Hmm. I appreciate you being honest. Yeah, I got to be right. (laughs) Yeah, and then Ted shares that story about his dad doing the book report for him on Johnny Tremaine. Just a lovely, 
nice story and i'm glad that you know they painted a picture of ted's dad that he was he was a good dude who just mm-hmm. had a mental illness and who knows what happened there but he wasn't like a piece of shit you know what i mean yes it's uh yeah it's a complicated thing and it's more yes. complicated when they don't just you know resort to him he was an alcoholic he was a piece of shit he, he abused me mm-hmm. he's a great guy um sharon thanks him for opening up and ted asks for a hug they have a nice hug I know a lot of people get squidgy with the Sam and Rebecca relationship, as, as as well you should. Even though I'm very much shipping Sam and Rebecca, there's there's power differentials that are problematic. But this hug made me so squidgy. Interesting. Because they have violated so many boundaries. Because Sharon is a therapist. And I'm sure that there are countless therapists out there who are like, yeah, this is fine. He needs a hug. Yeah, you can hug a therapist. Yeah. But and perhaps it just speaks more to my issues of physical touch and how that has been used in my life. But it just it gives me the squidgies. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't feel that at all. That's good. You're healthy. I don't know about that. You're healthy, uh, by the way, uh, for anyone that ever sees a picture of John. He looks exactly like Chris Hemsworth. He does. Very Striking healthy. resemblance. In Endgame. In, uh, uh, and by in Endgame, you mean the beginning of Endgame. Yeah, with one eye. Yeah. In a beer belly. <laughs> and a rock um, friend. <laughs> And a rock friend. So how do you feel about hugging a therapist? I haven't done it. Um, I should try it. I should <laughs> try it. Sai, you gotta try it. You gotta. I, but I, I don't know. It's weird. I'm with Kenny a little bit. Like, I have more apprehension for whatever reason between Sharon and Ted than I do with Sam and Rebecca. And I don't know what that is, but for some reason I'm just like, I don't know. Like it's, I almost wish they had just met under different circumstances because it's not like Sharon can't be his friend, but it's just like a weird, it's a weird thing. And I understand that they made the joke of like, are you going to charge for this? And she says, yes. Right. So there's that note of like, I am keeping this professional, you know, but it it is interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if any therapists out there, if you're able to draw a line with friends, like between friends and clients, if you can, if you would hug a a, ther- a, a, a a client or if you would provide therapy to a friend. I'm always curious about that. And I don't mean psychoanalyze. I mean, actually just provide therapy. Sure. Should we talk about Roy and Keeley real quick? Uh, gotta mention Ted and Rebecca at the end. Whenever those, whenever they, the plot lines finally kind of converge mm-hmm. and Ted's leaving the funeral. Yeah, yeah. And we find out that Ted only met Mr. Weldon the one, Welton the one time, and he did the full routine for make him laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Welton was corny. Yeah, like Ted. <laughs> uh. 
So and that's why Rebecca loves Ted so much. Yeah. Uh, film Crit Hulk says right when he's talking to Rebecca, Ted uses the lesson Sharon just taught him. <laughs> Ted invokes a happy memory that he had of Rebecca's father the one time he met him and he was doing a dance singing in the rain. It's a silly thing, but a real moment of warmth that reminds Rebecca of something she had forgotten. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And also Sophia from Marvelous Geeks Media says it's necessary to note that for the two people who are so hesitant to go to therapy because, quote, that's what friends are for, never spoke about their traumas to other people. Mm-hmm. And still won't share them with each other. Yeah. Even then, where Rebecca knows that Ted has showed up late and Rebecca asks, is everything OK? Ted goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything. No, but I'm fine. Which that's not true. Right. But I guess like, would you go into that at, at a funeral? You know? Yeah. Not, not I, the right time. I would least. be, I would be at least a little honest mm-hmm. and go, I'm, I'm going through some stuff, but it's nothing that can't be handled. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or some of, of alluding, you know? Yeah. Try and be honest. You're very interesting. Yeah. And then Ted leaves with sassy. Which I don't know how I feel about. I like it. I like it a lot. But do you think Sassy is good for him? Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, here's the thing. She's nice. She's pretty. She's cool. Mm-hmm. She's smart. Mm-hmm. Nora rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Nora factor. That's interesting. Let me ask you this real quick, and then we can move on okay. to the 10 minutes left. Do you think somebody is nice if they also could if they also have the ability to tell somebody to their face even if they're a bad person that they wish that they would die and they can't wait till they die yes yeah for me that took it a little far but but it's rupert i don't care who it is yeah but it's rupert though rupert is a bad guy right but you see how her mom handles rupert is that is that the right way or is what sassy does the right way it's probably a neither but or we all have our own way that we have to deal with things, and it's just a case-by-case basis. Right. Which would you do? Oh, uh, I would never talk with Rupert ever, and I would just stay as far just away as avoid. possible because, yeah, I, because I'm scared of him. Yeah. Because he has power. Yeah, I think I would just talk shit <laughs> behind his back. I don't know if I would oh. say such terrible things to his face. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh. And, yeah. Or nor, nor do I feel that strongly about anyone. I don't think I would hope that they go bankrupt. At, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, wishing death is is tough. Mm-hmm. Wish uh, hot takes. I wishing death is tough. <laughs> yep. Well, you heard it here first. Kenny supports capital punishment. That's right. <laughs> um, Roy and Keeley, they're going to break up. I think so. It's going to happen next episode. Unless this is another time where, I mean, maybe not, but they've been so good about being like, you think this is going to happen? You think Keely's wanking to Jamie? She's not like, yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're going to break up so she can get back with Jamie, but I think it's going to be a similar situation to Rebecca's where she's like, I've just been in relationships my whole life. Let me figure some stuff out. Let's take a break. I don't know. I just feel like that's coming. Yeah. I, agree. I think that's a fair prediction. And I don't think she'll end up with Jamie because Jamie's has to end up with Danny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ship it. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, Roy is uh, kind of being a, a prick this episode because he admits at the end that death makes him uncomfortable. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. The whole apple bit, though. That was fun. Oh. Um, it, it, uh, it also speaks to Keely's possible issues of codependence by her. Whenever she dies, she wants Roy to make her be a fruit tree so she can still be nourishing to people even after she dies. Right. It's not necessarily unhealthy, an unhealthy desire. Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad, but it just speaks to what her, I I guess her emotional state yeah. is. What's funny is I honestly thought to myself like, Oh, is this an option? <laughs> like I kind yeah. of like this. It's an interesting, um, thing that is explored in that movie she dies tomorrow as well which is a very very slow burn metaphysical horror i guess but the lead character is is believes that she's dying tomorrow and her her journey is figuring out how to be useful in death and she's convinced that she needs to be made into a leather jacket that people can wear and enjoy oh yeah, so I think there is something interesting to that. I didn't even think about codependency being kind of the root of it. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I'm a little codependent. I think I would want to be the tree so that people are coming by and they're eating their apples and I'm there for sure. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Is 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 the desire for childbearing a side effect of codependency? Is I it, think it can be. Is it kind of like a this is my ticket to be remembered or this is my ticket to for a legacy. You know what I mean? Cause it, it feels like the, the tree thing might be similar is like, I, I need to still be around in people's lives. I need people to think of me still. I think it could be. And I know, uh, just from folks in my, my life that, uh, they, they, they have placed their codependent energies onto their children and their children become caretakers. Mm of those codependents. Hmm. Um, so I, I think, yeah, if you have a little bit of an anxious codependent mentality, that's not necessarily the case for everyone to be sure, but just from some personal experiences in my life. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Jamie opens up to Keely at the end of the funeral or the wake, wherever they are at that point. Yes. And admits that he came back to Richmond not only to piss his dad off, but because of her. And he tells her that he loves her and then apologizes and walks off. Yes. Kind of putting her into a tailspin. Uh, Shelby Alpers from Fangirlish.com says, No Weddings and a Funeral takes inspiration from more than just the title of the Richard Curtis film, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Jamie is the Fioni. Jamie is the Fiona to Keeley's Charles. Fiona was always in love with Charles and he never saw her that way. They worked better as friends, but Fiona couldn't move on until she told Charles the truth. Mm. So it's not necessarily a love triangle. Maybe just Jamie trying to get that off of his chest. Yeah, hopefully. But I wonder if it was enough to spark something in Keeley. Yeah. I don't know, because then because then Roy comes up immediately after and talks about how he's a prick and opens up about why and she hugs him, but I still can't tell if that was a hug of relief, thank you for opening up, or if that was just like a, I don't know. Well, it's funny because they say the exact same thing, like, uh, 
Jamie ends his conversation with Keely. I love you. And then he apologizes. And then Rory also says, I love you. And then he apologizes. And they both, you know, comma Keely. So it's a lot for her to think about. It kind of like, I wonder if I, the fact that they are, they're so back to back and it's, there's no room for her to even process Mm -hmm. what Jamie just said. It kind of is like a, a microscopic, microscopic view of her relationship story. You know what I mean? Like she, she broke up with Jamie mm-hmm. and then right away got into it with Roy. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe just them back to back doing that is what kind of sparked her to be like, oof. Like, I need, yeah. I need to figure out me. Also, I did not catch this, but and and because you guys watch the same Ted Lasso the same way that I do. Has Roy Kent never said, I love you, Keely? Hmm. That's what I was wondering. It sounds like no. Like, I don't know if we've heard the full sentence before. I think we maybe assumed the love was there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. it seems like they live together. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this is unimportant. But what room was she in when she was getting ready? I'm like, where are you right now? I thought we've seen your whole house. Is that just me? That was at the church. Just kidding. Yeah, I don't know. It was like a... Maybe it was his apartment. Maybe we finally saw his flat. Yeah. With like a wacky mirror? Funky mirror. Well, she brought yeah. the mirror. I don't know. It's interesting. It was a wallpaper room. Mm-hmm. Oh. Funky mirror is the name of my funk uh, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> concept album that I made. Uh, I'd like to hear that one. I think that's my favorite okay. of your bands. You've had so many. Oh, I have some of it right here. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, I, that's all I have on the Roy and Killy thing. I think next episode, I don't know if they're going to break up, but there's going to be more turmoil and more, I don't know. It, even if they separate, maybe it's only in contained within that episode, but just something there. And I hope she does get some time to herself. I've got this chunk from film Cred Hulk, which I think is a beautiful piece of analysis which is Keely spent her life as a party girl famous for being famous and shacking 20 year old footballers and all that stuff is the mark of endless youth but Mm. part of the reason she fell in love with Roy was here realizing she can't keep going on that merry-go-round so of course the idea of attending a funeral starts making her feel itchy so Keely takes a cue and finds distractions too Mm. Hmm. interesting interesting that's a good take. I like that. Yeah. So maybe it's uh, uh, Roy and Kaylee are in game, but Jamie is a distraction because she's got uh, feelings mm-hmm. about just getting older. And it rep- he represents something that she once had. Oh, yeah. That's interesting, too. Man. Yeah. Hey, this is a good show. Great show. Uh, Ted Lasso, good show. Also, everyone was like, extremely attractive this episode oh yeah you know what i mean jamie whoo uh danny whoo sam always like Zorro. Whoo, 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 whoo. everyone was looking good this episode you're colin? Good. colin with the vest oh my god colin with that vest his little hat yeah what a cutie man um just a couple little other things before we sign off uh Nate being uh you know knocked down a peg again when Keely asks Nate if that's the suit that Ted got him. Jan Moss being brutally honest 
saying another man buying you clothes is infantilizing. No. Is that brutally honest? Cause I'm with Jamie. Like who, like, can you just be quiet? Like so much yeah, commentary. Yeah. I think like, he's no. just unfiltered. I if guess. Not, not even brutally honest, but just, just says things. Just yeah. says things. And I don't know if that's Dutch or he's just an asshole. Yeah. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock, lock, it lock up. the gate. Um, and also Beard and Jane. Jane is such a fucking weirdo. <laughs> like <laughs> FaceTiming during the eulogy and she's just like sipping on soda and eating popcorn. Like she is. Ugh, it's so her. funny. There's so few F-bombs on this show and that one just couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so she's true. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that whenever O'Brien was walking out of the bus, he was kind of hobbling. Yeah, his butt still hurts. His butt. <laughs> his butt. <laughs> um, uh, the Danny Rojas runner is hysterical. Yep. Yeah, I really like that we've seen more of Danny than just the, the golden retriever. He's so fun. He's great. Uh, did we talk about how much of a hunk to keep is shirtless? Oh, nope. Yeah. What a snack. Snickety snack. 100%. I'd love to put Tahib between two pieces of Do delicious not. bread and just munch, munch, munch. Do mm. not. <laughs> oh, boy. Two pieces of bread being uh, Rebecca and Keely. Sure. Yum, 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 yum. Sure. A secret great line that I love is whenever Sassy goes over to Ted, Beard pulls the guy aside and <gasps> yep. goes, oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to go talk with Billy about 1966. Yeah. Loved that. So, so great. Funny. That's definitely an improvised line. Uh, Rebecca and Danny Rojas, it's canon that they wear the same size of shoes. Mm-hmm. When Rupert and Bex leave, we don't see the baby. I'm like, so you do have a nanny here? It's very strange. Yes, the nanny was right, uh, was close to them and had the baby. Mm, Okay. Um, I forgot to mention, I saw a film at Fantastic Fest on the, oh, Kenny, the movie that I saw when you were in the secret screening on your birthday or birthday eve, um, it's called Let the Wrong One In. It's an Irish vampire comedy, but guess who was in it? Who? Uh, Anthony Head, Rupert. Hey! And he was a lot of fun in it and it was very cool to see him. Yes playing a vampire hunter yes also the ending song seems to be uh just looking at my recaps a whole bunch of folks noted this song called i remember by molly drake mm-hmm. great song uh never heard it before uh and it's just about a person that is just remembering a relationship fondly but it's tinged bittersweet because the person that she was with only remembers the bad things mm-hmm. And it's it's a very interesting song to end the episode on. Yeah, and right before that, right before it cuts to the credits and the song starts, Rebecca makes like just a, a face for just a few frames of, like not a face of resolve or like happiness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you did you catch that sigh? I did not. But is this? Where is this taking place? Where the song is playing? Like in the uh, bedroom? It, yeah, they watch the video and then it turns into Never Gonna Give You Up. And it's after they talk about Rick Hasley being white. And then she just makes a face of like, I don't know, like like sadness overcame her again. Something happened there and mm. then it cuts to credits. 
in that in that song, the context of that song is just interesting. Hmm. Up against that. Yeah. yeah. I saw my notes. Yay. Oh, the last note I have is from Ted. Um, just earlier when they're in the locker room and they're talking about what happens when you die. Um, I thought this was relatable and really nice um, that he said, I used to think that if you did good things, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you go to hell. Uh, but now I know we do both. So wherever he is, I hope he's happy. I'm like, oh, that's really, mm-hmm. that's legit. I get that. Yeah. And then also Higgins hopes that there's like an animal heaven so you can curl up <laughs> next to a fire at the feet of Cindy Clawford. Hmm. That's lovely. Thank you so much for listening to LassoCast. Please take a second to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. You can find us on Twitter and and TikTok at LassoCast, at the LassoCast on Instagram. You can email us, LassoCast at Gmail. You can go to LassoCast.com. And if you want to support us, we're LassoCast on Venmo. If you leave a little note, we'll read it on the show. Uh, LassoCast is produced by Saida Rhodes. Edited by me, John, and the music is by MG Sound. Don't forget to check out the the show notes for some fun links. And we really look forward to uh, to to having you back next episode. Thank you.